Okay, so let's start. Welcome back to the podcast. This time, the podcast we have Karthik Sridharan, the founder of Remote Tools and Flexible. So I have a couple of questions for Karthik, and you know his Twitter game uh, for sure because I've been following on him on Twitter since a very long time. So yeah, without any further ado, let's jump right into it. So you know, before you know, we begin anything, we'll first you know start with the introduction of Karthik Sridharan. So who better than Karthik himself to introduce himself? Like who is Karthik Sridharan? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ash, for having me. Uh, so yeah, uh, who's Karthik Sridharan is a very broad question, but I'll do my best to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as you uh, introduced me, I'm the co-founder at Flexible and Remote Tools, uh, uh, and a first-time entrepreneur trying to do uh, build something that lasts for a few decades. Uh, not uh, we have bootstrapped our startup, so that's the kind of personality I. Uh, I have as well, which is that I uh, have the intentions to do things by process, not get caught up uh, by what popular media says, and uh, just love what we are doing here in entrepreneurship. So, in terms of my education, I have uh, an engineering degree, worked in investment banking for about three years, and then got an MBA degree from IIM Ahmedabad, and ever since I am. Okay, I've been working on flexible with a couple of my batchmates from my Ahmedabad. So that's more or less about me. Interesting. All right. So I'll start with the cliche questions, like with every mm-hmm. podcast. The first cliche question is, what is the original story of flexible? So what I make of it is, flexible is the is probably the first startup you started, and after that you started remote tools. Is that the case? Yeah. So. Uh, there's no uh, you know very fancy origin story to be very honest you mm-hmm. know like there are a lot of really nice origin stories where you know it seems like an apple fell on a entrepreneur's head and that's where that was, there was yeah. a eureka moment for me it wasn't so much so uh, i decided that i wanted to uh, build a startup because when i joined iim amdabad uh, there's just uh, a lot of uh, you know talk around placements and it seemed like the rat race which i wanted to leave behind in jp morgan just followed me there so it motivated me to build something of my own so at that point of time i carried around a a, a book which i called the idea book and mm. uh, i just kept noting things down which i felt were interesting problems that i could solve one of them was flexible uh, i used to just uh, you know call a few of my friends over to my room talk to some professors try to get their thoughts on the various ideas i had and flexible uh, felt like the one with the most promise because uh, i felt that uh, the same uber kind of model which was being followed by marketplaces even in the uh, skill talent place uh, wasn't the right model to follow i felt there was a gap which needed to be solved which is around being able to identify uh, quality and to be able to promise that quality to companies and i felt that if we were to if we were able to do that successfully companies would pay us and uh, that was the hunch that we started flexible on and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, when i started building a few things on the tech side i reached out to my classmate rishikesh and uh, he started helping me a bit and uh, a couple of months down the line i asked him whether he would like to join me so he joined in and then in the next year uh, our third co-founder suvansh joined in more from a perspective of just trying to understand what happens in an early stage startup so he came in just to help us initially and then again towards the end of that particular semester uh, mm-hmm. suvansh suvansh also joined us so with then the three of us quit 
quit our placements at IIM Ahmedabad and we took off and that's that's how flexible started remote tools remote learn are uh, came down later in the journey so it is majorly flexible and flexible is the main money making entity amongst the two or three startups that we have interesting all right so what were like the initial problems you faced with flexible like let's say in the ideation phase what were the initial problems uh ideation phase i don't think there was any problem from an ideation perspective right mm-hmm. because uh an idea is 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 always perfect because mm-hmm. there is there is no uh, no one to question it it's only when you start executing in uh, you you face roadblocks do you realize that you know there were certain imperfections in the idea so during the ideation phase not so much Mm-hmm. uh i think when we started executing though uh, you know like typical first time entrepreneurs we thought that uh the product is the way that we had to drive our business even though we felt that it had to be more managed and we would ensure quality we thought that all the processes have to happen through a tech product and uh, that was a very grave mistake we made because mm. we didn't really understand what the market really wanted from us and uh, we had already built a product based on what we thought would be bottlenecks we would have to solve and when we actually started executing we realized uh neither the companies nor the freelancers wanted to use the product they just wanted us to solve their problem and their problem was for companies to be able to find quality talent for freelancers to get quality companies to work with so that's it it's, it was that simple but uh, we didn't learn it easily we learned it the hard way we invested around 3 or 4 lakhs on uh, the first product and equal amount on a second product and uh, both of them failed in the sense that as i said neither freelancers or companies wanted to use it so we just had to uh, you know throw both of them into the bin and mm. since we were bootstrapped and we didn't have infinite amount of money uh, we decided to just use google sheets mm. uh, listed down all the companies that uh, we thought would be interested in such an offering and whom we could reach out to similarly started listing down freelancers by reaching out to them on linkedin and so on mm. and that's it we started manually connecting the two together and slowly started solving for the bottlenecks we faced as in when we faced them rather than trying to predict what bottlenecks we might interesting uh, so when so was yeah. like when was this time like the initial phase of flexible what year was that So in 2016 while we were still in our college we had already built uh, the first version of the product and we were trying to test it out with a few freelancers but even then we realized that a lot of those things that we were trying to do we were trying we ended up doing it manually we used to send mm-hmm. them mails used to give them a call ask them to you know submit their details through a profile form and we we were forcing them to do all of those kinds of things but finally when we started google, uh, using google sheets it was when we had already graduated and it was uh, early 2017 that's when all of this happened interesting so how, how do you compete with upwork and let's say freelancer.com right because it, one of the major problems i see with upwork mm-hmm. is too much noise too many people there trying to compete for one project and also let's say let's say freelancer.com the major problem is undercutting there so right. let's say in 2016 i'm sure like the problems weren't as big as they were like at the moment with upwork and freelancer.com Mm. what 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 was the competition faced with these guys was obviously most freelancers in the early stage would go to upwork right because it's so famous how would you convince them to come on flexible i think uh, 
there are a couple of things. I think even in 2016, the problems with Upwork and Freelancer were as severe. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's the reason we felt there was uh, a case to make to build Flexible. And that's where uh, we were very clear that it wasn't going to be a pure marketplace model where uh, the product would just ensure that counterparty discovery would, would happen entirely through the product. We wanted it to be through us, where we would have proper screening processes in place for freelancers. And we'll also ensure that freelancers work with quality companies. So that was the thesis. And we felt there was a case to make with the presence of Upwork and freelancer already there in the market. Uh, What I feel uh, is that Flexible doesn't compete with Upwork or freelancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's basically because uh, the target audience that Upwork or freelancer typically attracts on the company side are basically individual entrepreneurs or someone who's building a side project hmm. uh, you know along with their work uh, or any company that is trying to build product or any of the other things in a very thrifty fashion so their focus is not so much around quality their focus is a lot more on budget and their focus is a lot more on getting things done cheaply and yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not our focus at all at Flexible. So mm. typically the kind of startups and companies who work with us have a proper tech team in place. They are building a product. They have a proper roadmap in place and they are looking for talent who can augment their existing team. Sure. So uh, our talent then go work as a part of their team for long durations of time. So that's the market that we are in and that also brings a very different kind of freelancer audience in as well so most of the people coming in have a tremendous wealth of experience so Mm -hmm. for them when they go to upwork and they see that they have to manually now apply to hundreds of projects to be able to gain one project it's a very different dynamic which they don't want to be a part of either so i think on both the sides the target audience is very different Sure. So mm-hmm. we feel Upwork is not really a competition for us and it's played out. And I'm not saying that Upwork is not doing great work. If they're doing great work. It's just not in the space that we are. Okay. Like what's the competition you have at the moment? So there are other companies. There is TopTal and I, and I think we've learned a lot from what they have done. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, TopTal's model is similar to what the model that we have. But having said that, I think this entire space, and as you can see, Upwork is into 50, 60 categories. We are only into two, development and design. So hmm. the, these two itself, I feel, are very big categories and the industry is very big. So uh, having multiple companies in this space doesn't really bother me. I think it's how it should be because there is a, this is a very huge problem to solve and multiple companies need to get together to be able to solve this problem. Interesting. All right. Let's, let's jump back to the JP Morgan phase, right? So mm-hmm. I asked you this question like before recording the podcast, but like I to ask like, let's say someone else wants to quit a job and mm-hmm. probably start a startup or do something else. Like what is a roadmap or a couple of things that the person has to keep in mind before taking the decision of quitting a job? Um, I think uh, the major problem that I have with the current uh, notion around startups is how romanticized it all mm-hmm. is, right? Uh, yeah. There is a notion that starting up gives you freedom. It is the right uh, mode to take, right path to take, because all the value in the world is created by startups and by entrepreneurs and so on. I think uh, it 
there is a case to make that startups are a wonderful place and i love working in in my own startup and i feel mm. uh, startups in general are great but my uh, my perspective doesn't necessarily have to be resonated by any and everyone mm-hmm. i feel that firstly people need to realize that startups are not for everyone startups are very challenging uh, your passion for your startup doesn't make the journey easy it just ensures that you can survive the challenges for much longer because you're passionate about it so i think that's the first mindset that anyone who's considering moving from a corporate environment or even in general considering starting up to have in their mind i think don't romanticize it because very soon reality strikes and uh, sure. the challenges mm-hmm. can very soon overwhelm you so i think that's the first mindset to build mm-hmm. and uh, secondly i think too many people expect uh, you know because there's just so much of success stories out there right from a perspective of oh there are hundreds of unicorns in this year and there are like india is booming and all that so people expect that the moment they start up uh, they'll immediately see success i don't think they uh, understand uh, that there is going to be a long gestation period for it hmm. uh, so at least for the first 2 to 3 years it's going to be a proper grind right and uh, i i'm not sure how many are very clear that uh, the grind is something that you have to go through irrespective of whether you're a bootstrap company or a vc back startup it doesn't matter i think there is a certain amount of grind that's associated with it. i think these are two very important things because hmm. from a from a very hard skills perspective uh, so people ask me what are the skills that you need to pick up i think there are a variety of skills i can say okay development okay you need to be able to build products whether it's code no code you need to build products or you need to know marketing understand how you will distribute your product let's say seo social media as communities all of that is great hmm. and but i think it's got more to do with the mindset because there's always going to be things that you don't know and you're going to always have to learn things so unless you accept the fact that there are going to be challenges you're going to have to solve learn new things uh and that's the way the entire journey is going to go not only in the first year but year after year because there are always going to be new new challenges that you're going to face as your company grows so if the mindset i think aligns to what the journey is going to be about i think the skill sets will be picked up hmm. so a lot of the work that has to be done before one starts a starts up is going to be around aligning oneself to that kind of a mindset i think more people quit because they lose their motivation to work rather hmm. than uh, you know the typical problems that people quote around product market fit and you know being too early the idea not being right i think all of those are secondary i'm not saying not important but i think they are secondary to what the mindset needs to be interesting all right let's let's move on to skills right like what's your way of learning skills let's say let's say for a startup how do you learn let's say tomorrow you have to learn a, a new framework a random new framework what's your process mm-hmm. how do you learn a skill uh it's it's a lot by doing and being less shitty every day mm-hmm. and uh, that's what is not only uh, you know something that i try to follow i try to motivate a lot of people internally at flexible as well i think uh, too many of us have been wired in a way to think that uh, our very first thing that we share with the world has to be amazing right it has to be perfect so i think the moment you lose that kind of a thought process and you agree that the first version of anything that you share is going to be let's say bad mm. and uh, 
it, then it becomes really very easy for you to say, okay, it's going to be bad anyway. Why not give it a try? So you just give it a try. Then you improve a little more. Then you improve a little more after that, and then you suddenly realize six months after that that you are actually gotten pretty good at it. So that's pretty much how I have gone about it, and also my co-founders and the other people at Flexible go about things. So, for example, I didn't know how to build products. I didn't know how to. uh write blogs or optimize them for seo i didn't have accounts on social media uh you know before let's say early last year so all of these things are things that we we started all all from scratch and we have learned by doing mm. i think too many people just keep reading uh thinking that they'll get amazing at it and then one fine day they will be so good that they'll suddenly be able to do that thing at the very best level i don't think it ever works out in that fashion i think you just have to learn by doing and be comfortable with the fact that you're going to make mistakes and going to give or do some things which are not going to be of the optimal level initially but have to trust yourself and have that kind of self belief that you will improve over a period of time and there's just tons and tons of content online for you to be able to pick up any new thing that you want to do the only thing that you you have to be really clear about is that you're going to do not just read and i think that that's been a very uh, important part of anything that i've learned interesting all right so you know we talked about startups being a fad and what not right so there's another fad that's growing probably since the last 5 years mostly uh, mm-hmm. it is about you know uh, discarding the concept of colleges for like learning and stuff mm-hmm. right what do you think about that see i think anything that is uh, like i told about startups as well right there is a growing uh, notion that startups are the best thing that a person can do right mm. so similarly anything that is unequivocally stated as the best thing and the only thing that a person should do is clearly uh, being quoted out of context and that's mm. got to be the thing with colleges as well i think uh, engineering colleges or any general undergrad college is important for a person because i think early on that's the first time that people at least this is my context in india but uh, i don't know how it happens in countries outside india but in india that's pr- pretty much the first time most of us move out of our homes we stay outside we stay amongst people of our age and a lot of our uh, growth mentally happens there from a perspective of how we need to survive how we need to adjust or define our own individuality so i think those years formatively are very important now do the courses in the college exactly uh impart all the knowledge that you would ultimately be working on in your profession i'm not sure for many people yes for many people no right but uh if someone has such amazing clarity at the age of that at your age of 15 16 17 amazing right uh good go for it but i still think there's a uh a real case to be made for undergraduation for sure mm. i think uh, a lot of the structure that we have in the way that we think in the way that we interact with people in the way that we learn from others mm-hmm. is is sort of uh, is sort of gained in the early early stages mm-hmm. of uh, our education so i think that there's a really important case to be made for that i have uh certain views around my experience around mba colleges as i mentioned a little earlier i felt mm-hmm. that uh early on in my in the moment i joined iim ahmedabad it was all about placements right the very first week and that's where i feel mba colleges are not so much geared towards gaining skills as much towards landing jobs so mm. 
the same i cannot be said about undergraduate college and of course i have i have attended only one which is engineering so i don't know again what happens in other fields but definitely in engineering i felt it was not all about getting jobs there was actually a focus on developing skills and of course it has the advantage of being stretched over four years versus mba being over a couple of years but i felt the entire two years of mba was all about what is the best job a person can get out out of it so it behaved more like a placement agency rather than an educational institution interesting so and i don't think that so much to do with the professors because i felt the professors were great i don't think mm-hmm. the people over there attending were also not quality people i think they were really smart people but i think you put people with a certain kind of mindset in a system that rewards people who get the best jobs out of that institution that everyone just gets geared towards getting the best jobs and that's exactly what happened so we had our internship placements within 3 or 4 months of joining the college so yeah. everyone from the word go was preparing for internship placements whether it was from a perspective of resume whether it was from the perspective of the interviews so even all the clubs or departments that they were joining to you know enjoy stuff was all from a perspective of what are the new points that we can add to our resume or cv this is undergrad right, right? this is my mba college oh that's mba okay yeah okay. so as i said i felt undergrad was not like that at all Achha. so but mba college was very much like that and uh, the moment that they got their uh, internship placement everyone gave up on education you know all the mm. classes they were very very chilled out about it because most of them felt they'll get ppos there mm. so they didn't have to uh, sit for the final placement so the the marks that they get didn't matter anymore so everything then becomes a means to an end right? like now the mo- the moment the end is achieved the means don't matter anymore so i felt it was more geared from a system perspective and that a lot of mba schools are like that so yes i do have a strong opinion about mba schools mm-hmm. but even there i feel that if a, if a person goes into the mba uh, mba college from a perspective of gaining knowledge there is the ability to gain knowledge but naturally from a system perspective i don't think the system is aligned from an educational perspective it's more aligned from a jobs perspective that's why yeah or right, let's say like tomorrow let's say someone wants to go to college let's say you have to go to college again let's say undergrad so mm-hmm. what is that one mindset you want to have so that you do things the better way in comparing to the ones you did the wrong let's say what was the new mindset you want to put in yeah so i think firstly the new mindset not only from a college perspective i think in general wherever a person is i think uh and i'm saying this because i feel a lot of people lack it and i also did for a lot of time is that we need to figure out what our own motivations are what our own goals are find out our own individuality and originality i think that is hugely lacking and uh, most in college also just follow the things that their seniors have done or their peers are doing so i think the moment you realize that you need to define your own path then you really start questioning the goals that you want to be setting for yourself and the moment you're clear about the goals that you want to be setting for yourself you it becomes easier to define what you need to do to achieve them so that's where my focus even when you ask me around how should 
people approach startups a lot yeah. of the stuff i think has gone to got to do with the mindset rather than the hard skill sets because i feel any smart person who is hard working will always figure the hard skill set out it's more to do with the fact that you are thinking about things the right way rather than just saying okay now this is what popular media says okay mm-hmm. if i were to just paint give you an example right mm-hmm. so popular media says that there are so many unicorns that are being launched every year in india now and since the start of 2021 there have been let's say i'll give you a random number i don't know i'm not following it mm-hmm. let's say there are 20 unicorns that have gone through so huh. now i start saying i want to build a startup but i want my startup to be a unicorn i don't ask myself why i don't ask myself why i want to even build a startup in the first place i just say there is so much of talk about startups i suddenly got so influenced that i want to build a startup so hmm. i think that's the mindset that all of us have to lose and that goes uh, whether you're in college whether you're actually in a job whether you're anywhere in your in your career you know growth interesting being able to understand huh. your own individual motivations are really key and i think that is missing hugely from most of the people that at least i have spoken to or at least i see on social media okay so like you spoke about individuality and uh, originality right so how does mm-hmm. a person develop originality or individuality like was it was the process of that so what i felt by what you're saying is just try and experiment things and figure out what's best for you is that the way to do it or is there some other way no that's that's true and i'm not saying that uh you you will are naturally know uh, what you need to do and the very first thing that you do will be the thing that you want to do for life so yes you are right you have to experiment uh, the bigger thing i think it starts from is to question everything that you read you you you're told or the popular narratives that are uh, distributed as absolute truths hmm. right so the ability to be able to question things and to ask yourself whether uh, what is being told aligns with your own personality or not right so so that level of self awareness to be able to keep asking questions around things that are being told to you things around uh, what you your your feeling is about a certain experience that you have had and so on is is really important i think uh, not being able to introspect not being able to ask yourself the hard questions not being able to act on uh, some of the very clear clarity that you have right that mm. this is not right for you is what might drive you to the wrong and i and i say wrong in the sense of the 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 particular path not being for you mm. right so it's that's where i say that working in a corporate is not wrong Sure. and but it's been painted so so boldly in in popular media that working mm-hmm. in corporates is just uh, you know people who are afraid who don't have ambition who want a stable job and all they want is money right so that's not true not everyone needs to build a startup so the more you you get that kind of introspection and that kind of clarity then i think things start to get much easier and i think it all starts from being able to question anything that you, that's been told to you and to question yourself as well at regular points of time so that you get more self awareness about your own personality interesting all right so let's come back to the point about you know people going into corporates and just for money right so i i don't think that's money i, I don't i don't see money as a bad motivation to do things right what do you mm-hmm. think about this because there's a lot of talk around twitter and that money shouldn't be the motivation is the journey etc etc blah blah all the cliche stuff what's mm-hmm. 
your thought process like is money a good motivation to do things or is it not uh see uh, let's let's get one thing out of the way right like money mm. is important sure money is important you need money to survive uh so i don't say and whatever i'm going to say now is not to be little money and mm. anyone who says that money isn't important possibly has a lot of it sure right so they possibly don't understand the, the perspective of those people who don't have it so i think till the point of time your entire survival depends on the the things that you do uh, money is everything in life right because mm. the moment you don't survive none of your passions matter sure so i think everyone needs to be able to earn enough such that they are not thinking about survival now after that what i think is money has diminishing returns right it's like it's mm. a very popular economics concept as well that the moment you keep getting more and more of a particular thing the more amount or the extra amount that you the incremental amount that you get get of it has very decremental value hmm. as you keep getting it so sure. that's the same with money as well so if i had let's say a lakh of rupees hmm. i would possibly be happy if you give me another 50000 i'll be happy but not as happy as the first 50000 i got then yeah. you, the same argument can be used more and more and then it can get to a certain level where a huge amount of money also is not going to give me the same amount of satisfaction right so i think everyone needs to be able to get to a place where money can give them the lifestyle that they want mm-hmm. but after that i don't think money can satisfy you sure now to sort of just justify from the outside perspective i don't know why people say some of the things on twitter mm-hmm. but uh i think money is not a great motivator to start up because mm-hmm. uh you don't see money very soon sure right so uh and that's why i said right there's a lot of romanticized idea about startup so mm-hmm. the moment you know that money is not going to come into your bank accounts the moment you say that okay i'm starting up and it's going to take a couple of years for it to land and even then possibly it might have been easier to make that money from any other kind of job right so if you were to work for someone else it would possibly be easier to make the same amount of money the moment you realize that hmm. you will understand that you know money is possibly not the best motivator to <clears throat> excuse me to hmm. start up hmm. right because uh there will be so many other challenges that you face along the way when there is no money around you so you'll very quickly start questioning yourself saying that okay there isn't any money here what am i really doing all of this for hmm. right so uh that's where i think the entire motivation of money starts failing when you're trying to do something that is really tough to achieve so whether hmm. not only for startups but let's say i want to become a cricketer or i want to become a tennis player hmm. you can look at the ipl and say that okay people are making a lot of money over there and say that's the reason i want to become a cricketer but that's not the best motivation you don't know about the hundreds and thousands of other people who are not making any money at all playing cricket so i think that's that's more the underlying reason that people might be saying mm. not to do something for money because the underlying passion is what gets you through those stages of course if money makes you happy that's great because hopefully if you're good at it at some point of time you will make money but to get through the initial periods i think you need something bigger than that sure so i'm thinking on a completely different tangent right so with money required for survival and stuff 
this is this concept floating around since probably a couple of years universal basic income what do you think about it like let's say if that's implemented let's say in india and in, in let's say let's say a particular city what do you think would happen would universal basic income be viable man my economics is not good enough for me to give to answer that i i've read about it but i have not read about it so much that i have a very nuanced or let's say even a correct opinion about that so i don't think i'm the best person to answer that question okay let's just just think right let's say it's there, there's a startup mm-hmm. and everybody is getting getting let's say xyz amount regardless of whatever their you know performance in the startup is mm-hmm. how do you think that will play out i think everyone is i i'm not sure what the entire thesis over here is but i'm guessing people are still hired because they have a certain set of skill sets and they have they align with the common goal of the company and so on so even now everyone in our team is more or less paid the same so and i see everyone doing really well so i i think there is a case to be made over there i think the the case that and again my my knowledge around this is very limited uh the case that is being made around universal basic income is that uh people shouldn't have to worry about survival to a limit, to a state where uh they don't have basic amenities around health they don't have basic amenities around food and water and shelter and education and so on so that shouldn't be the case and the the, the focus is that the moment people are given all of that mm-hmm. uh they would have the ability or the resources to be able to improve their own quality of lifestyle and so i think you are uh, enabling people to improve their quality of lifestyle themselves by giving them the very basic things hmm. that's the argument that i believe that's being made yeah. and there is a good argument to it to say that i don't think anyone should be at a place where they are not sure whether they're going to survive tomorrow or not or survive today or not because they don't know where they're going to get food from their kids don't have access to education so all of that all of those things should be guaranteed i however don't know what the implications from an economic perspective would mm-hmm. be because uh i don't know how that would work in terms of uh, those people who are taxed how will the tax then be distributed amongst people what will how will you keep people uh motivated enough to then work in work to then earn more than the basic income so those mm-hmm. are the questions that come out automatically and i have not read enough of this to have a nuanced opinion on what the ramifications of something might be interesting so there was a there was a discussion about this on reddit right so one of the major arguments they put through was like if there is ubi uh, there can't be a good democracy because if there's a democracy there and let's say there are a couple of candidates the only thing they'll um, you know compete on is the amount of money a family or a person gets in a month like a person will be like we'll give you like 1000 rupees the other one is like we'll give you 1500 and the people will just vote for the 1500 guy because obviously they they're just providing more money right and i think with that uh, with the amount of money the, the value of money being reduced because everybody is getting more money there'll be a mm-hmm. turmoil i guess in in that dimension that's what i feel that democracy cannot function let's say in ubi so apart from that um let's move on to startups being a fad right so a couple mm-hmm. of years ago i like two years ago i started an influencer marketing agency which did fairly well because at the time there were no influencer marketing agencies like very few and when i look at that industry now 
there are too many like everybody is starting an influencer marketing agency at, at this moment like everybody in college is doing that mm-hmm. and with the amount of influencers increased i don't know for what reason there's so many influencers right now the value of one influencer has reduced by a lot okay so i see that in such way that there's so the startup fad has become so bad that a couple of industries will probably collapse that's what i feel do you think the same yeah. like the startup fad has a you know negative impact no i don't think that's true i i personally mm-hmm. feel that uh more competition is good because mm-hmm. it will ensure that people uh are constantly improving and the rate of innovation will will also increase so uh mm-hmm. at the end of the day the best idea has to survive right so more ideas that are put on the table uh the best one will survive and there will be natural selection around it so and i also don't I, and people that that's one way of looking at it. and the other way also is that there is a lot of uh there's a lot of opportunity out there and uh-huh. i think there's not only uh one particular thing so and like now when people start up they always think about competition huh. right and i and market sizing and all of that i feel there is enough most of most of the markets have enough place for multiple startups to successfully be presented so i think uh wanting to build a company that's like in a space which is like uber right where they where they're all looking to uh be the one company that survives all mm-hmm. right and and wins it all so those kinds of markets are not great and those kinds of markets are created by huge amount of venture capital thrown into them you mm-hmm. if you leave them uh to naturally survive by themselves i would i would have guessed that there would have been multiple ubers in the world uh before mm-hmm. let's say each of them surviving and then strategically one trying to acquire the other or so on so that's how i would have imagined it if the vc game didn't play through so even now there are a lot of other untouched and relatively pure industries where i still believe there are multiple startups that can survive successfully so i don't think having a lot lot of startups is a is a bad thing so i mean the startup fad is good in 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 a certain way no fad is good uh-huh. uh fad by essence means that there isn't substance to it huh. and that it says that everyone hears the name and they try to do something about it i think if if a person is motivated to do something and they're doing it out of the intentions of wanting to do that of their own self rather than what what is being heard around them it's always good so i will what i just said around there being more startups being around is good is more from the perspective of yes let more startups come about let there be a more vibrant startup ecosystem not only in india but even worldwide i think that's good but a fad of any nature is is never never smart hmm. because then people are not making rational decisions they are making decisions based on what the entire herd is doing Interesting. that never ends up well All right. What do you think about uh, tech Twitter in India? So you said like you came on uh, the social media platform just a couple of years ago. Like, uh, mm-hmm. what do you feel about the Indian tech Twitter? I think there's a lot of good there. I think people support each other, and uh, I can I can see that uh, you know I, I, every day I see someone who started younger and younger. So I think there is uh, a good case to make that you know there are people are learning new things at a very young age because of. all the thing, all the things that are being shared on twitter so i think there are certain good things to it there is also the case that uh and this happens everywhere i think you know like mm-hmm. 
even news you don't know what is information what is misinformation right because mm. there's just so much of it around so i think that happens with twitter as well that there is just so much of information that is shared uh you know with so much of conviction right that people never tend to question whether that particular information is actually true whether it it actually has merit in it whether the person mm. sharing it has actual experience in it or not so that's where i i feel that and over the past 6 to 8 months i feel it's gotten worse where there's a lot of misinformation that is being shared on twitter in the name of uh giving startup uh, education where it's just personal branding that people are doing oh. they're just trying to build their own brand so that's where it can get a little tricky because uh it's tough for the person on the other side who is actually consuming the information to know whether this particular thing that they have just read is actually fiction or it's actual truth right so uh i think you need a certain amount of maturity then to be able to uh classify and be able to uh decipher what is what is actually true and then be able to adapt it to your context so i think there's a lot of merit to what's happening there and there, and it there's a lot of good but uh there needs to be a certain amount of uh i wouldn't say skepticism but a mm-hmm. uh, certain amount of caution that needs to be taken healthy caution that needs to be taken what one consumes interesting do you think like a sophisticated version of twitter would work let's say like people who have actually done stuff only those guys are allowed on twitter let's say like an invite only twitter what do you think about that uh see the, i i think everywhere i'm i'm sure i'm i, I don't know about the origin story of twitter Mm-hmm. but uh most of most of the social networks when they try to start off they try to they try from an invite only yeah. perspective yeah, yeah. so uh it starts off to be true and to give good knowledge but over a period of time as you scale to maintain the same level of quality becomes a little tricky yeah uh and that's that's our goal with remote tools to be honest now mm-hmm. we want to uh you know get get it to a place where all the best startup education can be can be got on one platform and uh there is we do the verification around what mm-hmm. is classified as education and what is classified as marketing right so that's our goal so to build a more startup vibrant startup community there still in early stages but yeah i think this is a problem and yes i think it needs to be addressed interesting like i, I really like the point that starting where everybody has an invite only app and later okay. on it it failed like the 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 quality in the whatever you just the content you just put out gradually decreases and that's that that case has to be made with clubhouse have you have you been to android clubhouse like recently no actually i didn't i, I never caught up to that no and uh, no you should no, actually I, you should like you should try okay. i mean sure. now you shouldn't because now it's saturated do just think okay. about it right everybody can just come in and without showing their face talk anything just think about what can happen in that space where there is no moderation correct correct, right. correct. so it, it's going down the drain like at least the drop in mm-hmm. audio features like drop in audio apps they're going down the drain because you know there's there's no moderation there's no way to moderate it right unless there's a community function there there's a there's an admin right. who is looking at it and you know moderating stuff which is which is then difficult to that's what i feel Correct. Yeah, might happen. Yeah, I haven't. I, I don't know so much about clubhouse to be honest. Like, what are the social media tools you actually use? Like, in IRL. Uh, it's just Twitter and LinkedIn. I actually don't use much of social media. Otherwise, even Twitter, I just joined in last year. Mm-hmm. 
my adult life i've tried to stay away from social media as much as possible but after a certain while uh, because flexible is bootstrapped mm-hmm. uh, we realized that uh, we have to tell our own story uh, and actually all three of us are quite like <laughs> quite a bit like we're introverts so mm-hmm. it's not easy for us to just you know come and start making noise so we decided that the best thing for us to do was to just talk about our own experiences that might be a little more natural for us to do so that's the approach that rishikesh and i have taken it is and that's what we are doing so yeah we just on these two social networks at this point of time all right another question i had was like how does valuation for startups work so from what i have read uh, on twitter like mm-hmm. i'm sure this is probably wrong like if a saas makes like 2000 us dollars monthly revenue mm-hmm. it is easily worth around 200k usd is that true <laughs> i have no clue man so i have not raised a single dollar from vc funds so i don't know how that particular business works i was in investment banking but there the valuations are done for much more mature companies right so they have actual cash flows so you can actually value based on whatever but even their valuations at the end of the day are not an exact science right mm-hmm. so valuation it just comes down to on the table negotiation so there are certain and this is not so much from a uh, personal experience that i'm talking about from the perspective of startup valuation but from people i've spoken to and what i've read mm-hmm. so there are certain thumb rules that people have around certain multiples on on your top line whether it is your arr they'll say okay 5 to 10 times your arr is what you can value some other companies which are hot and everyone wants to invest in them that can go ridiculously to 50 100 times or even 1000 times i don't know so that's where there is no science around it right hmm. it's just about how many people are crazily behind you to be to want to invest in you and as a result how much are you able to leverage that to get a higher valuation and if people are not and you are desperate to get money then it works the other way around sure. so there is a basic possibly uh there are basic multiples that you can use on your top line uh and there it will be 5x 10x of your arr if whatever your bootstrap company so on mm-hmm. but it could possibly be much higher for vc funded companies maybe i don't know but yes that's the basic thesis but then a lot of it comes to on the table negotiation with the other party yeah i think it's after point it's based on perceived value right like i think so not sure all right so like what changes after like 1 million usd arr like being a bootstrap business like do you guys preserve the money or you know run it like a funded one to acquire more customers like what's the logical way out uh so i think from a running perspective i don't think it changes our thesis on how the business model needs to run i don't think we'll suddenly start burning a lot more just because we have money right uh, at the end of the day our thesis of how company runs uh, or should run is very clear we feel that a company should make more revenue than the amount of expenses it has so that's our thesis and that's why we run a bootstrap startup any mm-hmm. company that over long periods of time is just making losses there isn't uh, a case to make for that to exist of course immediately people will quote amazon and people will quote some hundred other companies and say but yes i think there is a case to make that company should make profit so we believe in that so the thing that has changed for us once we has hit a million dollars and grown from there is that a lot of the initial uh, 
initial growth was founder driven right mm-hmm. the three of us were actually driving a lot of the functions whether it was marketing product uh, you know client management freelancer onboarding all of it was done by us so after 1 million we realized that what happens is the growth of the company is actually bottlenecked by you by each one mm-hmm. of us so if we just continue to be the main drivers of growth we would clearly hit plateaus so that's where you need to be able to find a replicable way of saying this is a replicable way of succeeding and now i'm going to hire and build a really strong team which can then replicate this way of success so i think that's what is changed for us we are now trying to get from a perspective of thinking that all the work needs to be done by us to be able to think from a perspective that we need to build a really strong team around us who mm-hmm. and we need to be enablers from a perspective saying that we will get better at hiring good people we'll get better at giving them a uh, space giving them freedom ensuring they enjoy the work they're doing uh such that the replicable way of success that we have figured out can be executed really well by them and they can figure out new replicable ways of succeeding as well so i think that's the that's the quantum change that has happened for us from being pre million dollars to post million dollars which is to build a solid team around us so that's the, that's the major thing i think interesting all right last question i have is like what is the biggest problem you're facing currently let's add flexible yeah is that itself which is to hire quality people understand what quality means uh from the context of flexible and uh, our our particular team culture and what we are trying to do so understand what who an ideal person is uh how should we hire them uh, what is the right uh, you know salary structure what is the right environment that we need to build internally so all of these kinds of things so it's entirely around team building that we are currently uh i wouldn't say struggling but trying to solve trying to get better because i think a lot of the other things we have pushed ourselves and have managed to solve to a level that we are happy with at the moment the 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 point that we really want to get really better at is team building so hopefully in the next 6 to 8 months we get to a place where uh, we are comfortable with with the skill sets that we have acquired, acquired around that all right thank you so much for doing this karthik it's been a great time talking to you cheers yash thanks for having me Sure, guys. Like, if you like this podcast, do the formalities. I'll link all Karthik's uh, handles in the description. You can check his Twitter out. Uh, highly recommended. All right. Uh, let's meet in the next episode. I I like to do a part two of this. Like, some some day. Sure, sure. Sure, yes. Sure, sure, sure. All right, man. Thank you so much.